0: that the ability to run is something you either have or you don't, well, this just isn't true. Running has nothing to do with ability and everything to do with confidence. So follow me while I show you how to run your happy life. Welcome to the Run Your Happy Life Podcast. I'm Tina, and thank you for hanging out with me today. I love today's episode because I'm going to spend some time going through some of the newest runner questions. So that's our group who is currently in their Prep Me program, and I send reflections to them every Friday for them to complete and fill out, and I love – checking on these on Saturday. So on Saturdays, I love to get my cup of coffee, wake up super early and to look through these reflections and to see how everyone is doing for the week. So, I want to have this moment with you guys today just to answer a couple of the questions, especially because there are some that I have not heard of before and I just I want to take some time to you know reflect on that and, and truly answer them. And I will say that some of the questions are a little bit The word I I want to use is personal, but it's not like, oh, personal, like I don't want to share, but it's a little bit about like my headspace and kind of like my thought process with all of this. And so I wanted to answer those on a podcast because I thought, you know, maybe some other people are wondering that too. And I just think it's fun to talk about. So um, buckle up, you guys. Here we go. You're going to see me. If you're watching this on YouTube, you guys know I'm in both places, the podcast and on YouTube. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to see me looking at my other screen. I'm just looking over there so that I can read some of the questions that were written to me so that I can answer them if you're wondering, like, what is she looking at? So, okay, here we go. Um, One of the questions that I got was, do you have a favorite running shoe? So easy. My favorite running shoe is Asics Gel Nimbus. That is something that I got fitted for roughly 17 years ago, by going to a running store and they kind of like watched me run and checked my gait and, you know, checked my stride. I don't know, all the things and said like, based on your foot and your arches, this would be a good shoe for you. And I have stuck with it ever since. So Asics Gel Nimbus are my go-to. And I will tell you this little tidbit. I would highly recommend going to a running store to have them help you pick out your first pair. The thing is, after they help you pick out that first pair, like what I do is I'm constantly looking for them online and I get like, you know, I look for deals online so that I can You know, pre purchase pairs. I know that I'm going to go through them. So I purchase like older versions to save money. And I also purchase numerous pairs at a time. So if I see a really good deal on um, ASICS gel Nimbus, then I purchase them and I purchase a couple of them and just put them up in the closet for when I'm ready to rotate. So um, a little tidbit for you. I know people who love, like, really love Brooks and Hokas. And, you know, there are so many different shoes out there. But I will say it's probably best to start by finding a running store somewhere near you. Taking a visit there and letting them help you pick out your first pair just to, to, to be, you know, to, to have a guide of some sort to help you because it can be a little overwhelming if you try to figure it out yourself and then you're really not sure, like, is this the right one for me? Um, So definitely worth it. Okay, the next question was, what makes you keep doing this? So these next couple of questions are so fascinating to me. So what makes me keep doing this? So I'm going to go ahead and make the assumption that when you say doing this, you mean, helping new runners, like encouraging them to take the leap into running. And so I'm also guessing that question is coming to me because I do have a full-time job. I am a school counselor at an elementary school full-time. So I work five days a week and um, this is something I kind of do on the side. So I do it on the weekends, I do it in the evenings. And so I'm guessing this question is kind of like, like, you know, Hey, you have a job. What keeps you uh, sticking with this? Well, This is very new to me, first of all. So, this is only my, I'm just starting to get into my second year of this total overall. I started this whole, like, I don't even, I don't even call myself a coach because I'm not a certified running coach. I'm not. And I don't even know how I got the name. Like, one of the first, groups of runners just decided they were going to call me coach. And I was like, I don't know. Can you really call me that? Can I just be like, I don't know, a planner or a guide? But, you know, it has stuck ever since. So they always call me coach. And so that's how I've kind of like been unofficially inducted into the coaching society by my runners only. I don't think anybody out there calls me a coach other than that. But I'm only going into year two of this. And so it was something that I dabbled in about a year ago. And, you know, it has been so freaking fun. To be completely transparent, it has been really challenging. It's been really challenging balancing working full time during the day, you know, making this happen at night, doing the coaching on the weekends. And of course, I have a family, I have two kids, I'm married. And so it has been. It's been a lot and my family has had to sacrifice a lot to kind of make this happen, but I love it so much. So Mike and I work very closely together because this has grown way more than we expected it to, that I ever expected it to for sure. And so he and I kind of teamed up to think about what kinds of things we can, you know, do to help it be a little more streamlined. Like what things can we automate as far as like sending out emails? Because I was, you know, initially sending them out like one by one when I first started this process. So now that's definitely a no-go anymore because there are lots of emails going out to lots of different people at different times for different plans. And so he has helped me kind of automate and set up systems to help us out. So that's been really a game changer. But I guess I keep doing this because it's really addicting. It really is. Like, and I get the most amazing messages and I'm looking at these questions right now. And as I look at this screen, like, certainly I ask questions about like, you know, what questions do you have for me? I ask like, what has been most helpful to you? And the the amount of like support that I get and the amount of inspiration that I get from these words of of these non-runners turning into runners, like it blows my mind. I will, like right now as I look at this, um, I'm like seeing comments in here like, you know, Tina, you are so real. Thank you so much for the support. I can't believe that you, you are doing this. I feel so grateful to be a part of this program. Um, let's see. The, the freaking team and you, Tina Repa, like you do everything. And it said like, you know, you're so motivating and inspiring. My weekly plan is so helpful and it's so easy to follow. These reflections are everything. You should be in charge of the government. Like I, like I, these are the, this is the feedback I get from people. and And I know it's because Like for the first time, like a a lot of people are actually putting themselves first, right? And like, they're just thanking me for helping to believe in them, first of all, because so many people think like this can't be for me, like I can't be a runner, like I can't make this happen. And, and, and finally, like to, for me to say, like, not only can you do this, but I'm going to give you the steps to do it. And they're just so grateful for that. And so like seeing that, hearing the stories, you guys have no idea how many stories I hear of like things that people have overcome and processed through, through this journey of, of becoming a runner and being important and putting themselves first that, I don't know how I could ever not do this. Like the impact that it has is way more than I ever thought to the point of where I'm like, is it time to like rename this? Because it goes so much deeper than just learning how to run. And so to go back, you know, to make a long answer shorter, I should have, you know, just say that I keep doing this because of what, how lives are changing because of it, what people are doing, like the trajectory of lives that are changing because of this. It blows my mind, and I think to myself, like if I stopped doing this, because I'm not—I mean, again, completely transparent. There have been days when I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mostly when it impacts our family and it causes, you know, of course there are, you know, arguments sometimes about, you know, when things are going to happen and who's going to cover this because. You know, jobs need to be divided and conquer, just being completely honest. And so at those times, it's like, well, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't make this work. But at the end of the day, like when I wake up the next morning, it's always like, and not just me, but my whole family is like, like, let's do this. This is so fun and so exciting. And so right now, I keep doing this because it is so fun. It is so exciting. And I can't imagine not showing people what I've been able to show them. And to you know, the elephant in the room about the financial piece. If anybody's wondering it, like, do I do it for the money? I honestly don't even know. This is going to sound, you may not believe me, but I honestly don't even know like what kind of money is being made from this. And not because like, oh, I don't know, but because it's not, that's not the priority to me. Like for the first priority to me was, is this going to work? So when I started this a year ago, I just wanted to see if I could really put something together that would help people. And then when it came to pricing and things like that, I decided early on that because I was going to give my everything to this and that I know I have like, I have, you know, all of the balls up in the air So I knew early on that I was going to need people to meet me where I was energetically. And that's where my pricing comes from. It does not come from a place of like, I need to make this much money. It comes from a place of like, I'm going in on this. I need you to be so ready for this and so like committed to this, that this is the price point that we're talking about right now. And that's why my, the, the initial, you know, coaching program is $199 a month right now, as I'm recording this in January of 2023, like it's $199 a month for the first four months, because I need, like, if you're going to say, I want to do this, like you better be ready to do this. And like, because I'm going to be there to make sure you're doing it. And I need you to meet me there because like, we're not going to beat around the bush here. Like, we're not going to do this. Like, eh, like I'm going to do it a little bit or a little bit, you know, I'm going to you know, pull back, like we're going all in. And that's what happens whenever, you know, you put, you put your, the finances behind the commitment and that's what I needed to happen. And so like, it's not a financial thing for me. Like it's not it. And I need the money. Obviously I have a full-time job and I've had a full-time job. This is my 18th year as a counselor. So this was more about like, what is this going to be? Like, is this going to be helpful? Can I really help people to become a runner? And then again, the price point is all about like you, I want you to meet me there. Um, I want you to meet me where I'm willing to meet you. And so that's, that's why, so that's just to kind of explain the financial piece, because I'm sure some people have that question too. Um, it is 100% not about that for me about the, like, I am doing it because I want the money kind of thing. Like, and I don't think that that would be a, a healthy place for anybody to be operating from because it's not sustainable that way. Right? Like it's not, that's, it's, it's not sustainable that way. Okay. So, um my love of running. What so my love of running comes from the fact that running makes me happy. And I know that sounds a little cliché, especially because this podcast is called Run Your Happy Life, but genuinely, I am a happier person because of running. I like myself more, I like my life more, I like the strength I have, I like the endurance I have, I like The confidence that running gives me. I like the identity that I have as being a runner. I like that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be the fastest. I don't have to be the skinniest. I can make myself so proud and so happy and be so strong and so freaking healthy because of running. And I have gotten myself to a place where I respect running. I value running. Running has changed with me. It has become more. It has become less. It has become farther it has become shorter it has become faster it has become slower like it has moved with me but at the end of the day it is a part of who i am and it makes me feel really really good about myself like i am very proud of that it is something that i will always have in my life and that i'm very proud of it makes me it makes me feel like i'm showing up for myself and so Running, it's very, very little of it has to do with the actual goals that I've met. I have, those of you who have followed me for a while, you know that I've gone everywhere from running one mile and struggling, or I should say half a mile struggling, all the way to running 50 milers and, you know, and then some. And so like I have had this relationship with running that has ebbed and flowed throughout the years, but it has always been something that I fall back on and that I go to. And it is a part of me and it just makes me feel so good about who I am and what I do and every goal that I've ever set, realistic goal that I've set, I shouldn't say it. one time I set a goal to qualify for Boston and I had to run really fast to do that. And I ran the marathon in my fastest time ever. Um, for me, it was a great, it was like probably the fastest I'll ever run a marathon, but it was not enough to qualify. I wasn't even close, you guys. So it's not that I, I meet every goal that I set, but I certainly work my butt off and feel really good about the outcome of every goal that I set and I work towards. So, um, okay. So I love this next question because nobody has ever asked me this. It says, do you feel responsible for the group? Um, a little of both. So the question is, do you feel responsible for the group? Yes and no. So, I think when I first started, I felt really responsible for everybody's everything when i when I first started this, you know, and I'm putting the air quotes up there coaching new runners, I felt like I had to be there for every single thing, like every every doubt, every question, every like every workout I had to be there providing feedback, like it was something where I was obsessed, like. I need to make sure that I give feedback on every little thing. And what I've realized over this past year, and it's taken me a while to kind of let go a little bit of the control, like I was kind of controlling everybody's everything. And, and it wasn't intentional. I had the best of intentions. Like I wanted to, everybody to get the most out of their experience, right? So like there were times when I was like, no, don't go on the treadmill. I need you to be outside. And and, and no, like there were a lot of things that I feel like I had a lot of feedback in and I was controlling because I wanted everybody's experience to look like mine. I wanted them to get everything out of it that I got out of it. And then I learned when I finally, and this took many, many months, when I finally learned to step back and let people kind of experience their experiences, it was so much more beneficial, right? Like I allowed people to miss a run if they were going to miss a run, and then reflect on that. Like, how did that feel? And what do you think caused that? And what do you think you can do differently? Versus, I better not miss a run, or Tina's going to find me, kind of thing, right? Like, or she's going to message me if I don't get run two in my Wednesday. Like, I have to allow that room for people to experience their feelings, to experience their ebbs and flows. Like, I have to allow that space. And so, this is really something that's very new to me. And so the responsibility, I feel that my responsibility is to have the roadmap. My responsibility is to guide the way. So to be the GPS, right? Like, okay, we're turning here. We're going straight. We're stopping here. Like we're refueling. Like that's my job is to have everything laid out. Um, and my job is to be there when people decide that they need something from me. So, you know, they, You know, that if somebody has gone through a certain process or felt something on this journey and they've said like, I'm not sure what to do with this, like, can you help me navigate this? Like, that's me. Like, that's where I am versus me breathing down the back of everyone's necks and saying like, but did you love it? But how did it feel? Did you make sure that you ran in the rain? And did you make sure you ran in the snow? Like, I have to allow people to discover and become on in within their own journey. And so that's been new to me, but it's been so fascinating, and it has been so rewarding because not only did it allow my runners to kind of grow and become their own kind of runner and have their own experiences, but it has also helped with these connections within the groups that I've noticed that is you know, those have strengthened a lot because it has allowed, you know, when Tina's not there, who, you know, pushing every little button and having, you know, maneuvering, having the control, the remote control for every single person, like it's allowed others to step in and offer their experiences too. And it has been so beautiful and it is the best thing that I've ever done. And so now I read through every single post that comes through any of my groups. I I have a gauge on everybody's emotions, right? Like I'm a very em, empathic, I believe I'm an empath. Like I can feel the feelings and I I am very tempted often to go and fix those feelings for people. Like to say like, let me tell you why this is like, okay, let me tell you why. Like, but I have allowed myself to sit back and let those feelings come and let them be inside of my runners. And of course to be there if there's a point of where like, okay, we need to get you back on track. But to also allow that space to breathe and discover and to become. And the most important part of course, I'm not going to let anybody like fall off the wayside. Like that's why I'm there um, is to allow people to say like, oh, I like I didn't do this perfectly, but I came back and I recovered because there's this misconception that I have to do it perfectly or I can't do it. And so I, I wasn't allowing any room for error in the beginning, right? But now I allow room for error because I need to allow room for growth. And so it's been the most beautiful, the most amazing thing I could have ever done. So the responsibility to both groups. I feel the responsibility to guide, to create the space. I feel a responsibility to ensure that you know everybody is moving in the same direction. I feel much more responsibility to our newest runners because that is a very delicate place to be in. And I'm very mindful about how I introduce information into the to that group, and it's strategic for a reason. I have I have my preppers, my newest groups, sectioned off from everybody else for a reason because I know that it's a very delicate place that can be um, highly impacted by outside, you know, thoughts and and experiences. So I try to keep that very, you know, I set up the the boundaries as to what I you know permit within the group in order to ensure everybody's growth and and an experience and that, that positive you know communication that happens but within those boundaries like no i don't feel responsible personally for everybody's everything like i used to and i think that it again has been the best thing that I ha- have ever done for the groups and in you know in soulmates for life those who graduate from that initial like that program there's so much more flexibility available there like there's room to fail there's room to readjust there's room to you know get thrown off track and then come back and find yourself again and and of course I'm always there at the end of the day but I don't feel responsible to micromanage the way that I used to and again it has been the best thing that ever did for my runners. I truly believe that. So to answer, I hope I answered that question about do I feel responsible? I feel responsible for the guidelines and the boundaries and the roadmap, the GPS. That's my responsibility. Um, But as far as everybody's individual experiences and how they take in that information and process it, like I don't necessarily feel responsible for how they process it. And that's important because everybody's on their own journey. And I've realized that over the past year. Okay. Um, Are you always so upbeat? Heck No. Heck no. It's really infectious is what it says. And I'm so glad that it is. I'm extremely passionate about what I am talking about. So to answer the question, are you always so upbeat? Like, no, no, I'm not. You can ask Mike. I literally read that question out loud to him and I was like, so am I always that upbeat? Um, No, I am human. I am a school counselor who sometimes gets overwhelmed, who sometimes thinks like, ah, how am I going to do this? I am a wife who sometimes wants to joke my husband. Just kidding. I shouldn't record that on the podcast. I'm kidding. Like you know, all the normal things. But I am very, very passionate about this. And every time I get the opportunity to, you know, have a group of people who are like, "Show me the way." I'm like, "Let me show you." Like I'm so excited to to present that. It, it's it's harder whenever you're just, you know. I always tell everybody that brings up running to me. I'm like, are you sure you want this? Like, are you sure you want to open this can? Because I have so many thoughts on it, right? Because of my positive experiences with it. I have so many thoughts on, on what, you know, on how people should try. And of course the typical responses that I get, I'm not a runner. I hate running. I I can walk, but I can't run. And I'm like, like, don't let me out. Like if you let me out of this cage, like it's really hard to stuff me back in, but I am extremely upbeat when it comes to everything running because I have so much to say, and I so badly want people to give themselves the opportunity to experience it. And I know that it changes lives. I have never had anybody go through this process, and I think I'm, I don't even know how many people who, at this point who I've turned into runners, which is so fun to say. But I would have to say there are probably close to 100 people that I have interacted with in some way, shape, or form at this point who have you know, ventured into a running journey, which is so cool to say. But if you are not in, you know, one of my running groups and you mentioned to me like something about running, like I just can't stuff it back in. Like I just it just comes out. And luckily the feedback that I usually get is like that was so inspiring. Like you you motivated me to go to the gym or to go on a run and I haven't gone in a very long time. And so, you know, the feedback is great, but I can I have done this my whole life. Like well before I actually had a structured plan for people to follow, I would tell them you need to run, like you need to try running. It was my solution for everything. Like you're stressed, you need to be a runner. Like what's that? You're tired, you need to be a runner. Like, you know, you don't like yourself, you need to be a runner. All the things, like I will scream it from the mountaintops, like it has changed. And and seeing the lives that it has changed, I have, you know, a, a huge sample size now to say like, okay, like it has changed lives. People see themselves differently and that's powerful. That's powerful. So like my mouth is even bigger when it comes to You should try running, Um, but I really have to be mindful and try not to do that to everybody I see. Um, Okay. Um, Let's see. Okay. Um, Thanks for everything. You guys are so amazing. The kindest words, the kindest words who just, it just lifts me up. This is a funny one. I struggle with not wanting to mess up my clean hair. It seriously makes me crazy because I try to play my washes around the workouts, but it's not going well. Tips for hair care through the week when you are not washing it all the time. Yes. So I wash my hair about once a week, and I know that's pushing it. I really had to work up to that though, and so it's really called hair training, which I discovered during COVID. And it's you know it's really good for your hair actually to train it. But the idea is that when you wash it a lot, your hair creates more oil naturally, and so it becomes more you know what you would say like greasy or oily. Um, but that the oils are actually good for your hair, so it's good to kind of brush it through. Um, as long as you possibly can. And so I have this system for me that works for my hair and everybody's hair is different. So this may not work for yours, but I will give you my tips. And one of them is, you know, dry shampoo is life for me. I use Dove dry shampoo. I've tried lots of different brands, but Dove is my absolute favorite. And any of them, any of the Dove dry shampoos, they smell so good. They're like super powerful when they come out. I just feel like it's like, I don't know, blow drying in my hair. Like it's literally like shoots your hair back. Um, I, that's personally what I like. So I know everybody is different again. So I always, so I wash my hair on Sundays typically, and I go for about two days, two to three days before I even add dry shampoo because I feel like it's good. Um, and then I start adding some dry shampoo in there. And if I can get like one more day out of wearing it like down, I try to wear it, you know, styled and down for those couple of days. And I will, but most of the time it's going to go back like in a low bun, um, and then, like, as the days go on, right? Like, so it's gonna be in a low bun for a few days. Like, that is my go to. And you guys will probably see a lot of my Facebook lives, a lot of my, you know, YouTubes. They're gonna have me with a low um, ponytail or low bun in because that's what I do. So, um, So I I do the low bun and then like at the end when I start, like it's, you know, I'm pushing it. Then I do like a high bun. I don't know why, but I feel like, you know, moving it from down like to up, I don't know what happens to the oils. But to me, again, I'm using dry shampoo every day at this point and I pull it up like in a bun on top of my head. And that's kind of how I finish out the week. And then again, Saturday is like my, you know, when, okay, it's probably getting time to wash, but of course it's the weekend. So whatever. So then Sunday night I wash again. And so it does. So this is my system that I typically stick to all of the time. It works for me. And you guys know already that I'm running three times a week. And so it does to me, it doesn't matter if I'm running or not like those. That's still the same thing that I stick to. I still put that dry shampoo in my hair. Um, it makes it smell good and it gives me, you know, several more days. So it's, it really doesn't matter to me. I wash on Sunday night and I still run on Monday. Um, and then Tuesday, if it's a little extra funky because of of Monday, then I'll just put some extra dry shampoo in it, but that's it. And I mean I guess if it got really bad, I could just wash it earlier in the week. It's not a big deal. Um but that's that's my process. And so I n- I've never thought about telling you guys that because I'm like who who really wants to know that? But the truth is, when I talked to this person um who put this question in there, I started talking about the the Dove dry shampoo and like switching up my hair as the week goes on and she was like, "Oh, like I never thought of that. I just assumed like, well, how do I, you know, what do I do with my hair when it's because it gets sweaty on the runs and I want to wear it down every day. She's like, maybe I just need to get creative with how I pull it up. And it works for me. It works for me. That's what I like to do. So it's not even a thing. I don't think about it during the week. Um, Let's see. Oh gosh. I always get the question about like how to stretch. And I am a self-proclaimed worst stretcher you'll probably ever meet. And I'm not proud of it, especially that I'm going to be 40 this year. I am not proud and I know I need to do it more. I do try to do it like I do, I have been trying to be more diligent about doing it after my runs, but there's, you know, the whole thing about dynamic stretches, warming up before you go, and those are fantastic. I don't have specific ones that I would say like you have to do these because I haven't done them my whole life, my whole running career. And I'm not recommending it. I am recommending that you do them. Um, I'm probably just not your best bet, <laughs> your best person to tell you what to do. Um you know, sometimes, especially in the winter when it's cold, like I'll do some jumping jacks, some jogging in place before I go outside and actually start my run. Um, but also I'm not like super hard sprinting. So I don't feel very stressed about making sure that I get my, you know, get my runs and stretches in before. Again, I'm not saying that that's a good idea. I'm saying don't follow me. I don't know why people even listen to me. Like I'm going to call myself out that there right now. I definitely do some stretches when I finish, especially if it was a hard run and my legs are sore. Um, I'm definitely stretching those quads by picking my legs, my, my foot up and having it like, you know, pulling it towards my butt. I'm definitely like stepping back into like the runner stance and stretching out my calves. I'm definitely like just literally... Um, Like shoulder width apart and reaching down, you know, to walking my hands across to both legs and stretching. Um, very generic, like whatever feels good. So the muscles that are sore, I just stretch those. I don't have a specific routine that I always follow. I don't hold it for a certain amount of time. I just do it until it feels, you know, while it feels good. And then um, I keep it moving. It's just one of my, my biggest downfalls is my stretching. I know that. I know I need to be better. And I'm trying to be better. I am trying to be better. But I will tell you that it's super easy to just hop on YouTube and Google, like, you know, stretches before going for a run. Don't go down the rabbit hole of 40 billion things you have to do before. Just pick a couple before, a couple for after. Um, And if you're having soreness in a certain place, I literally would go to YouTube or just go to Google and type in like, um, post-run stretches or stretches for tight quads or, you know, stretches for tight calves. And and just do a couple of those. I would not get myself all wrapped into, you know, spending 30 minutes stretching before and after. And, you know, if you do, if you do it because you enjoy it, great. But just don't, you know, you know me. I'm all about keeping it simple and not making this something that you now all of a sudden are dreading because it takes you an hour to get out there, go for your run, and then do all of your stretches before and after. Just, you know, Pick a couple that feel really good. um, Follow the basics. And when I say don't overdo it, I mean like there, again, there are rabbit holes that you can kind of go down into if you start searching things about running that can get you in such a tizzy that you just don't even want to go anymore. So so don't allow that to happen to yourself. Like keep your guard up um, and just, you know, search for a couple of exercises that you think would work well for you. Uh, That's what I do. I literally do that all the time. Um, Let's see. Um oh what here's one this is from one of my my runners who's training for a half marathon what is the max long run mileage for the half marathon training tina i am freaking out laugh out loud um the longest that we will be doing is 10 miles so a half marathon is 13.1 and our longest run for train for that training cycle will be 10 miles and that's intentional i am going to com- to record a podcast on marathon training in general because i have a lot of brand new runners who are getting ready to And you know, go on their first half marathon endeavor, and we're starting to climb up there in miles. Our, I think, our long run this weekend is five, and then it's going to kind of climb from there up until we get to thirteen miles. So I am going to record another podcast to share all that information, but I do want to put that out there because I know this one will be be out there sooner to answer that question. The longest distance is ten miles, and that is intentional. You know, we're going to get there to ten, and then you're going to have magic. You know, that race day magic that's going to get you to thirteen point one. So. Um, more on that in the future, you guys. Okay, so let's see. Any last minute questions? Um, I, I've, I think I already talked about this one, but do you have a list of runners' favorite foods for pre and post run? Okay, so the long answer is, I do love me some oatmeal before races. Not that I have to have that. I've had peanut butter toast, peanut butter bagels. I've had bananas before races. It really depends on the the distance of the race. And I also have had McDonald's for dinner the day before and have run my fastest races after eating McDonald's cheeseburgers the night before. So, I only say that to kind of to kind of joke around to say like I again, I like to keep things simple. I like to live my best life and and I just I'm here for the party, right? Like I'm here to do my runs. I'm here to, you know, to, to give it my all, but I'm not going to stress about the macros, the micros, and um, the number of carbohydrates that I get. Like if you look it up, you will 100% find a million different things that you can follow. And if that's what you're into, you can do that. If you start feeling yourself get too pulled in this you know, direction of overwhelm, like I have to have the perfect recipe for all of this, like. Honestly, you guys, I have eaten so many different things before races the night before. There are certain things that I probably won't have again um, just because I just, you know, it just didn't agree with me. So I might take it, make a mental note of that, but I am in, in this for life. Like I am running for life. So for some reason, I run a race and I feel like I'm hungry. I didn't feel well enough then I'm going to do it on the next one because this is a part of my life and I'm not, I don't have any intention of like just doing a race and being done. So it's all just data that I'm collecting along the way and deciding like, okay, what worked, what didn't work. And I'm going to try it again next time. And it's fun for me like that. It's like a fun puzzle. So everybody's body is different. I know people who'd like to eat gels before they actually got on their run, like shortly before or applesauce packets. Um, I personally don't do that. I I do start fueling. Again, I'm kind of getting into that half marathon fueling um, conversation, but I don't start fueling during the run until I'm about, you know, an hour in, 45 minutes to an hour into a run. So I don't do that kind of thing right before I go for a run. But I do try to eat something, especially if I'm going for a run over three miles, I will try to eat something before I go, which is usually peanut butter toast, um, oatmeal or a banana or uh, a bagel of some sort. So, but I don't stress about it not to me it's not a huge deal. I just kind of go and see how I feel. Um you guys, this has been so much fun. I'm going to keep these these podcast episodes coming because and these YouTube videos coming because I love to answer questions from my runners. And it's a great way for me to share this information. And, and I think that a lot of people don't necessarily think of these questions whenever, you know, they're doing their reflections and then they hear them and say like, oh yeah, I wanted to know that too. So I hope this is helpful. I hope that those of you who are running with me found some value in this. And those who aren't running with me, I hope I still was able to give you a tidbit of information that you could take today and take it on your own running journey and just keep on keeping on because running makes you happy. And so I hope you guys are out there running your happy life, having an amazing day, and I will see you next time. Bye guys. Thanks for listening guys. Remember, if you heard something that resonated with you or something you think someone else needs to hear, make sure you share this episode. You can carry on the conversation by joining the Run Your Happy Life Facebook group or by following me on Instagram at Repa. Send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear more about. I'm on a mission to turn non-runners into runners and doubters into believers. So if this is you, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, Go get uncomfortable and chase that sunshine.